racing against the rain like a Scandinavian post-apocalyptic drama. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Hand of Pod. Uh, if you haven't seen The Rain on Netflix, Danish thing, I think it's Danish, it might be Swedish, it's, it's one of those, that, that general area of the world, uh, check it out, it's, it's quite interesting. Um, it is due to rain here in Buenos Aires in about two hours time, which is also when Racing versus River, no hang on, that's wrong isn't it, River versus Racing, uh, kicks off in the Copa Libertadores round of 16, second leg. Uh, which is why we are recording early this evening for Hand of Pod episode 309. I'm Sam Kelly, and I'm joined by Andres Bruckner. Hello, Sam. Welcome, Andres. Thank you. The the well, I haven't watched the rain. The last series show I I have watched is uh, on Netflix is uh, Kiss Me First, which I don't recommend. Uh, I don't say. <laughs> I, I I thought it would be interesting, but finally, no, I found it disappointing. Uh, Hand of Pod Patreon supporters will be able to hear a Hand of Pod Extra in which Andres and I go through some of our other recently watched Netflix shows, yes. which we'll do after we record this. That won't really be the subject, don't worry. Um, reminder, though, since I mentioned it, that you can support us on Patreon. Patreon, uh, that's R-E-O-N dot com slash Hand of Pod is the place to go there. You get two extra shortish episodes per week, although the one I put up on Sunday night was 20 minutes long with my thoughts from the weekend. Um, and yeah, we're very grateful to those of you who do. We're going to rush through this a bit. I'm trying not to talk too quickly, um, but obviously Andres would quite like to be back in his own living room on his own sofa before River Racing begins in two hours' time. And uh, the aforementioned rain does feel like it's setting in. It's quite humid today. Yes. We're going to break from normal tradition during the league season for this episode. And instead, this first section is going to be about the Copa Libertadores, and then after the break, we'll go through the Superliga weekend um, that uh, passed last weekend. Um, the reason that we're doing that is that there's been quite a lot to talk about in the Libertadores, I think it's fair to say, yes. over the last week or so. Um, and Sudamericana, which well, we covered yeah. a bit uh, during the last episodes. Andres, do you want to sort of get us up to speed with, with what's been going on? Um, well, as, as you said, there were a lot of things, uh, a, lot, a lot of uh, episodes. If we talk about shows, this is these were a lot of episodes, but not of TV shows, but about the, the yes, Copa Libertadores, in which uh, there were two matches, especially involving, of course, Argentinian clubs, in which there were uh, issues with the players that if they were ab- uh, available to play or not, if they had to, uh, well were not available to play because they were suspended before they, uh, I mean, uh, since a lot of time ago, because in the case of uh, uh, Santos that played against Independiente, for example, Carlos Sanchez was the one that uh, should have not played or not been included by Santos because he had pe- a, a, a suspension pending, to, I mean, for him to, to uh, 
to complement. Um, and it was since three years ago because uh, uh, the last time he he played in Argentina or for Conmebol competitions was for River in the 2015 um, Sudamericana. I am right against yeah. Huracan. That I think it was the first leg of the semi-final. So yes, um, and he well he got uh, got sent, sent off in that match. Uh, after that match, he uh, left River, or at least he didn't play any other Conmebol competitions match, and now he's back. Well, that suspension uh, was all, uh, still pending, and Santos uh, apparently checked into a Comet, which is a system developed by Conmebol, in which you can you can check whether there are, there are players suspended or not, and Sanchez didn't appear as suspended. No, in fact, not only did he not appear as suspended, but the suspension was registered on Comet and was specifically marked as having been completed. Yes. Um, which is what Santos, I think, quite understandably based their argument on. Uh, it, it said that that suspension had been completed in May of this year, so it wasn't as if Comet had completely forgotten about it. There was a somewhat confusing um, context to this, which is that between Sanchez's suspension happening and, and being given three matches um, and, and now there, there was um, an amnesty by Conmebol we talked about it a couple of years ago because it also resulted in Boca being allowed back into continental competition uh, quite soon or sooner than they were initially meant to um, after the pepper spray incident in the Libertadores that same year uh, in which all of the sanctions on clubs and players were halved and where a player had been given an odd number of matches as a suspension. Uh, the the halving was put down sort of in the player's favour. So Sanchez's half of three obviously is one and a half, and therefore he was given one match of suspension as opposed to two. And that was the match that he hadn't served. Um, it's very similar indeed, not identical, to the situation that San Lorenzo were in against Temuco, or rather the situation that Temuco got themselves in against San Lorenzo. Um, it's not identical because Temuco, the guy was Requena, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, he was cup-tied rather than suspended. He'd already played for Defensa Justicia um, in the Sudamericana. And it's more similar to the River Plate situation with Bruno Succulini, except the River Plate, for some reason, uh, acting out of an excess of caution, maybe deciding that they couldn't trust Conmebol to do it properly, um, at the end of the transfer window, the Argentine transfer window in February this year, wrote to Conmebol expressly asking, these are the players we've signed, um, and, and also listing Ignacio Fernandez and I think one other person who was already a, a River player at the time, presumably because they suspected they might have suspensions but wanted to clarify it. Um, they gave them a list of four or five players who are now River Plate players and said, do any of these people have suspensions um, you know, hanging over their heads? And they got a signed letter back from Conmebol saying, of the people you have listed, Ignacio Fernandez is suspended still for one match. I think it was one match, whatever it was. Yes. Um, and, and that's it. So, you know, basically expressly saying that Bruno Succulini was not suspended. And then it turned out that actually he has been this whole time. Um, there has been... It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, River got very lucky, in my opinion. Yes. Although it was luck, if you like, that to, to, to use a cliche that they created themselves, they made their own luck by, as I say, for some reason, deciding to write to Conmebol about this. Um, when, you know, common sense would have suggested there wasn't really 
any reason to do so since Sukuluni wasn't showing up as suspended on the system. Um, Santos decided not to and to check the system and that's what's ended up costing them because Independiente got the 3-0 walkover. Uh, Racing obviously are, are very unhappy about all of this, um, although Eduardo Cordet has been putting a brave face on it in press conferences, saying he'd rather win on the pitch. But um, you know, the way that rivalries and everything work in Argentina, you wonder whether he's uh, partly doing that to wind Independiente up and, and everything. Um, it, it's uncomfortable. This it, it's just a really yes. embarrassing. The, 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 um, the hilarious thing about the the. Letter sent by River to Conmebol and the response from Conmebol to River is that when Conmebol sent back, I mean, said the only the only player that uh, you are you are asking us uh, asking for us to to tell you whether they are they are suspended or not. The only one is Nacho Fernandez, hmm. but this is only as as an information purpose. But you are responsible, but uh, for all the players you include in your your list. Uh, something and, like that. And that's, yeah, and that was another really. I mean, the way that was phrased was really ambiguous. So when it came, when it became public, this you know a couple of weeks ago, we had a lot of obviously particularly Boca and uh, Racing fans um, saying, "Oh, but this this means that even if he's not listed as suspended, it's still the club's fault if it if he's in the squad and it turns out to be suspended." And then there was what I think must be the more reasonable interpretation, which was. You can do with this, you know, th- this player is suspended. Do with this information what you like. You can still include him in the squad if you want, but you know you'll have to face the consequences. Which seems a really bizarre and unnecessary thing to say because if you've just been told a player is suspended, why the bloody hell would you include him in the squad? Yes. Um, so either way, it, it's just overly wordy. You know, we're used to all of this. If you've been through, as I now have, well, a couple of years ago, uh, Argentine immigration. Um, system as well and, and to get your residency and everything you'll be aware that people like to use more words than they need to use <laughs> in this part of the world and that seems to count for Conmebol as well apart there is apart uh, uh, from this another thing which is why uh, well the result of the Santos Independiente uh, match or, or um, Copa Libertadores uh, draw was that Independiente has been awarded the first match or the first leg for 3-0 with 3 goals Scored by Campania, who is the, the captain. Uh, they they award, give the. Oh, they did actually give him the goals. I was getting. Confused. I thought people were joking about that. No, no, it's. it's I think it's <laughs> real, and uh, because Independiente apparently uh, noticed that Sanchez was suspended because uh, a, a Brazilian journalist told, told them, as at, at least Pablo Moyano, the son of Hugo Moyano, the president of Independiente, said this, stated mm-hmm. this. And they they claimed, or they sent the, of course the, I mean the the not the, it's not a lawsuit. It's a uh, yes. They claimed that that Santos had a, a player, well Carlos Sanchez, that was badly badly included, um, and Racing didn't do to do that do that. Mm. Uh, uh, neither uh, Racing nor the other the other three rivals because. So Bruno Suculini, uh, he had been suspended, but played uh, or at least signed the the list mm. of players uh, for the for the uh, 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 all of the matches. Which is what matters from the regulatory yes. point of view. He yes. he could have been an unused substitute, um, but if he's as Andres says, if he's if he's signed the squad list, then that means that he's he's broken his suspension. Yes. Um, no one claimed this. 
to Colmebol, and that's the main difference because yeah, within, within the, 24 the, hours of yes, the match, yeah. The rules, apart from the the uh, rules that are clear, that saying that you can't include a player or or uh, uh, call a, call up a player that is suspended, the rival has that 24 hours to claim this. After that, Colmebol can act on their own but they are not uh, they not they don't have to do it they could can do it yeah and in fact in this case they did they, yes. there have been a lot of racing fans saying oh Comebol refused to to act de oficio is yes. the spanish phrase um actually, they, they did act de oficio and they took the decision to not award racing a 3-0 walkover um racing are going after tonight's match um to try to elevate um, a claim to possibly as far as the Court of Arbitration for Sport, asking that River be kicked out of the Libertadores. Um, that probably isn't going to have very much effect, because I would think, as I keep saying, that they this signed have... bit of paper yes. saying, no, he's not suspended, is, is about as you know, they don't um, have any authority reasonable a defence. competitions to say, they can perhaps say, look, you, you should do this, but it's not like the authority hmm. to say... Yes, uh, Bruno Soccolini will not uh, be allowed to play for the following three matches and River will be uh, eliminated from the Copa Libertadores 2020, for yeah. example. Uh, they can't do that. But it's, it's just a, it, it's bizarre all round. I mean, you've got Santos who have had a walkover awarded against them. Uh, you've got River who escaped that because Racing were too late to... Um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? To appeal, um, yes. possibly, or maybe if Racing had appealed, the signed bit of paper, the, the signed letter would have been a sufficient defence for River, given that Santos didn't have that. Uh, you've got Comebol saying, well, the matches that Sukulini was actually suspended for were the first two of the group stage, and even if River had lost those, if you take those points away from them and award them to their opponents, they still would have qualified anyway for the knockout stage, albeit in second place instead of first in that group. Um so we're not going to kick them out of the tournament because of that, which is, it, it seems to me like a slightly false logic of coming to the decision that, you know, they want to take anyway. Um, the thing is that Racing just supporters and also even Codet said, of course, made a joke saying that we fell asleep, mm. saying it in, uh, of course, colloquial terms that uh, they, they, they didn't, they couldn't tell that this that Sukulini was was suspended. When the the, the and the craziest thing is that he was uh, received the red card when playing for Racing in 2013 yeah. Copa Sudamericana against Lanús. That is perhaps the most uh, funny uh, thing of this situation. But yes, they they want to die because uh, in a country where or well in a continent where advantages if you can take an advantage you will you or take it uh, if you can't uh, uh, grab it you can't uh, use it uh, it's really embarrassing yeah indeed um, it has I mean I, I don't have very much time for sort of people who are arguing and on the wrong side of these things say oh matches have to be won on the pitch and all that. I mean yes they do but you also have to win on the pitch by remaining within the rules which is um which is what hasn't happened here in River's case in the first leg accidentally and in Santos' case in their own first leg also accidentally. Um, and I don't think that even in Santos' case where the, the case perhaps wasn't as ironclad as, as River's in terms of the defence, 
Um, it's still difficult to really blame the club for that. I mean, Commonwealth made a big show and dance two years ago of launching this system and saying this is going to be foolproof now and from now on going forward um, it, it will eliminate uh, the danger of precisely what's happened happening. Why wouldn't Santos trust that? You know, I, I think that now, from, from this point onwards, Boca made a big thing this, this week because Boca playing on Thursday evening um, away to Libertad in their own second leg of the Libertadores. They won the first leg 2-0 in the Bombonera and you'll remember at the start of the month and they've made quite a big show and dance, uh, almost sort of a holier-than-thou thing of saying, well, we want to make sure Ramon Avila doesn't have a suspension hanging over him. They're not sure whether he's going to play anyway. He's had flu all week, um, but apparently he's, he's feeling better now. And, and they've said Avila won't be getting on the plane, um, well, this morning, in fact, wasn't it, a few hours ago, uh, unless we get written confirmation from Comebol that he's not suspended. They don't really have any reason to think that he would be. He picked up a red card playing for Huracan in the Sudamericana I think 2015 as well, right? And then played again in the Sudamericana for Cruzeiro the following year, having served the suspension. Unless there's something that's happened since then, unless he's got another red card since, which, you know, as far as statisticians and everything can see, they're not really sure why Boca are doing this other than to prove a slightly a point in perhaps a slightly smarmy way. Um, but, in fact, if I was the president of a South American football club who were qualifying for a Conmebol uh, competition next year, I would insist that whoever's in charge of this sort of admin thing at my club, write a letter to Conmebol with a full squad list at the beginning of the of the tournament and say, are any of these players suspended? And get a reply from Conmebol in writing. I, I just completely ignore Comet. Don't even look at the online system. I think every single club on the continent should start doing that from, well, January onwards uh, for next year's um, Continental Cups because why would you trust the system after this they made a big show and dance oh this is idiot proof but they're reckoning without South American football idiots basically um, and, and what this shows is apart from that uh, it's again shows the, the great the, uh, the amount of hypocrisy that are, there is here in, among uh, Argentinian clubs because uh, now River is saying no, but the matches must be won in the in the pitch. But yes, three years ago River said, but Boca, there's uh, Boca de Panadero, uh, the supporter uh, of Boca, uh, uh, through pepper spray, and and in that case River didn't want to continue playing. And in the other hand, uh, Racing uh, had the rights to. Uh, if, if if they if they had claimed uh, on time to uh, have their match won by Thronil like Independiente mm. got against Santos, if they had claimed on time, um, but well, any time any any case is different, and and, and you can't say that the the matches must be won in the, in the pitch or not, depending on your convenience. Uh, yeah, and also, as I say, I, I find it quite a tiresome argument anyway because yes. the logical extension of it is that you know, if, if everybody just went, no, the matches must be won on the pitch at all times, in the way that these people have always come out with that argument after it goes against their club, then the logical extension would be a player gets a red card in one match and his club put him in for the next match anyway. Because, oh, matches have to be won on the pitch. Yes. We've all got this gentleman's agreement that nobody's going to make appeals. So suspensions cease to mean anything. Um, you know... And, Obviously, if a suspended player plays, then 
you have to enforce, you know, and, and, and the club who have been wronged by having a suspended player play against them have every right to try and enforce that decision because otherwise suspensions cease to mean anything at all. Um, and obviously, if, if a club, you know, as happened in the, the pepper spray case, as we talked about in some depth when it actually happened, if a club can't guarantee the safety of visiting players, then they shouldn't be in the competition. Um, it was, uh, it, it's all... It's very confusing. I can't see Racing actually succeeding. And so to be clear, again, just to reiterate, what Racing are going to appeal after tonight's match, if they don't get through, if, if River do go through, um, they're going to, to appeal for River to be chucked out of the competition and replaced with Racing. They're not going to be appealing for a 3-0 walkover because they realise they've already missed the deadline for that. They're just going to be saying River shouldn't be in the competition. Um, which, as I say, when you have a written statement that's been signed by a Commonwealth official who this was the other slightly complicating factor, has died since <laughs> since writing that letter to them, the bloke who signed the letter. Um, it, it, it's a fairly strong legal footing to say, look, we were doing this in good faith. We weren't trying to cheat the system. So so they ask for, for River for, uh, to respect the rules, but they don't either because they they don't send send the, the, the claim or, or the uh, note to the to, to Colmebol on time, but they won't either anyway to, to uh, get the advantage hmm. so it's yes it's that's why I say that it's, it's a big hypocrisy I am very very aware by the way uh, that this as regular listeners in particular will will be aware that this is two river plate uh, sympathizers discussing yes. this I was really hoping particularly as we're recording relatively early and he often is able to record earlier in the day that English Dan our tamed Racing fan um, would be able to join in this episode but unfortunately he's currently flying somewhere on holiday uh, as he told us just this morning so sorry uh, hopefully we've tried to be yes, we'll uh, as um, neutral as possible in this um, one thing that everybody I think can agree on is that this has kind of spoiled this round of the Copa Libertadores which otherwise has been pretty entertaining would have been good to perhaps have any clubs um, supporter because a lot of clubs were involved yeah. in these things even San Lorenzo for example Mariano or, mm. or, or even well Peter as an independent supporter but no we, we are both River fans and well uh, unfortunately hopefully we've been neutral enough for you um as I say, it, it has spoiled the, the round. And what was otherwise, really, last night began with three entertaining matches in, in the round of 16. We've not yet got a guaranteed Argentine finalist for the Copa Libertadores. We almost did have. We were very close to it. Um, we've had... I mean, so first of all, it wasn't the first match played. Hang on, yes, it was, wasn't it? Um, but in spite of everything, in spite of a very poisonous atmosphere, which led to it being called off uh, with 10 minutes to go, which might well mean that Santos get another walkover handed against them uh, for failing to control the fans. Um, Santos versus Independiente was actually a really entertaining match. Uh, Independiente were, as they were in the first leg, the better team again. Um, but the obviously it's much easier to do that when you've been given a 3-0 first leg win and you can afford to sort of sit back and soak up pressure to an extent um, but Santos over two legs if we're completely ignoring the controversy around Sanchez who played last night because Conmebol announced that since the first leg had been given as a walkover they would consider that his suspension served and therefore he's no longer suspended um, but after all of that controversy um, if, if, if you can ignore that 
Independiente were the better team over two legs. They still have this problem, the same problem that River are developing quite rapidly, of not being able to score for Toffee. It's and they advanced, quite ridiculous. They advanced no scoring. Mm. Well, you can advance uh, by, by on penalties, uh, uh, getting draws nil-nil in both matches. In this case, uh, Independiente uh, didn't have to, to uh, make the shootouts because, well, this thing of the 3-0 awarded by, by Conmebol... But yes, it's uh, it's funny that not scoring any goals and, and having to go to penalties, they anyway advance to the to the quarterfinals. Yeah, but in terms of just the sort of the performance of the two teams on the pitch, I don't think there's much of an argument um, against the idea that the stronger side has ended up going through, even given the manner in which they did it. Um, much more surprising was that Atletico Nacional who won this cup just two years ago, um, are out. And they've gone out to a team who, when Atletico Nacional won the Copa Libertadores two years ago, had never played an international match before, at least not a competitive one. Atletico Tucumán lost 1-0 in Medellín last night, but held on for a 2-1 aggregate win and are into the quarterfinals, where they will play Independiente. Um, it was a really another good game. No, they will play against Gremio. Oh, will they? Oh, that's right. Yeah, Independiente play River or Racing. Yes. yes. Thank you for the correction. They'll play Gremio, who knocked Estudiantes out. Um, and that was dramatic stuff. Estudiantes won the first leg 2-1 and, and were very impressive in doing so. You'll remember we uh, talked about that one at some length a couple, a few weeks ago. Um, Gremio won this one 2-1 on Tuesday night with a very late winner from... Was it Everton? No. Everton was the first score of the first goal. I think it was Ribeiro or something like that. Mm. Let me see whether I can get my phone to load quickly uh, enough. Yes, just when the game was about to end, they were just uh, out of the cup of the Copa Libertadores. So the two last. Alison. Alison, sorry, yeah. not uh, The two last, uh, uh, last champions, like, well, uh, Atletico Nacional in 2016 and Gremio in 2017. We're about to get to be out of the Copa Libertadores and finally Gremio. The last minute goal that you mentioned, and then on penalties, finally got the quarterfinals and will play, yes, against the uh, Atletico Nacional. Mm. Sorry, Atletico Tucumán. We are guaranteed at least one Argentine club in the semis, of course, because as I just mentioned, either River or Racing, whoever go through in a couple of hours, in a few hours' time, um, will be playing against Independiente in the quarterfinal. Obviously, if Estudiantes had had held on we would have an all Argentine half of the draw now um, so that that would have guaranteed us one Argentine finalist at least Boca over in the other half as I mentioned play on Thursday night um, against Libertad they have a 2-0 lead there's not really very much to say about that because there's not been any controversy around it apart from as I say them perhaps trying to get in on the action and create a headline by seeing whether Ramon Avila was actually allowed to play or not um, which I guess could have been slightly Playing with fire a little bit. If the if if Comebol had gone, oh no, actually, hang on, he's not. He's been suspended this whole time because he played in the first leg, didn't he? So I'm not sure that I would have wanted to draw attention to that necessarily if I were Boca president. But um, anyway, as I said, there's no reason to actually suspect that he was. It just seemed a slightly weird thing for Boca to do. Um, in the Sudamericana, there has been no football played since we last recorded, has there? No, I don't think so. No. Good. Oh, there has. San Lorenzo ah. against Nacional. Um, but they were playing the where we were recording. They were, weren't they? Yeah, they ended up winning. 3-1. 3-1. Yes. 
in a, with a really impressive performance. I, I, I was sort of sat there afterwards thinking, where did that come from? Nacional, either the Uruguayan league is worse than, than we thought, and we know that the, the, the Uruguayan FA is in quite a state at the moment, but uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that the league can't be strong. Um, or San Lorenzo genuinely put in a really good performance. I couldn't quite work out which one of them it was. We will see. We have had a couple, uh, question about San Lorenzo. Um, but then they, we'll they, they went back to the Superliga and they were, again, awful. Indeed, um, as we will discuss in a few minutes after... feels very strange to be saying this so early on in the podcast recording, but after this break, we are going to be having a relatively short-and-to-the-point episode this week, so don't go away. Okay, the scores from the weekend just gone on Friday were Belgrano 2, Estudiantes 1, Patronato 0, Racing 3, which means that at last somebody has scored more than two goals in a single match. Independiente 0, Defensa y Justicia 1, and Atletico Tucumán 2, Colón 1. Uh, Estudiantes, Racing, Independiente and Atletico Tucumán obviously all had one eye on their Libertadores second legs this week. On Saturday... Uh, Tacheres got a 2-0 win over Gimnasia. Tigre and San Martín drew 2-2. River Plate and Argentinos Juniors inevitably <laughs> drew 0-0. On Sunday, Vélez 1, Banfield 1. Lanús 0, Aldo Civi 1. Rosario Central 2, San Martín de Tucumán 0. Huracán 0, Boca Juniors 0. And on Monday, Godoy Cruz 2, Newell's Old Boys 1. And Union 1, San Lorenzo 1. Um... The place that I think we're going to begin with this, because I said several times last week that we were going to mention it in the second half of the podcast, and then we completely forgot about it, is the relegation battle. So we have had wins just this last weekend from, uh, in the relegation battle, I'm trying to work this out, Atletico Tucumán, Defensa Justicia, arguably, um, Aldo Civi, of course, against Lanús, um, Tigre San Martin was was a draw between two of the sides who are down there. Vélez and Banfield, well, Vélez are sort of struggling, or were going to be struggling, possibly. Central needed a good start to the season, and of course they've got it and continued it. The loser was Patronato, clearly. Yes, Patronato were the big losers um, in this table. So the relegation table at the moment has San Martin de Tucumán, who, remember, have only played uh, two games so far, are currently bottom with one point from two matches, but that could change very quickly. Tigre are second bottom. They remain difficult to beat, but once again, they can't win. And it was in third, fact, third to two consecutive yep, draw. They made history. First club in the professional era of Argentine football. I don't know whether it happened in the amateur era because the statistician who tweeted this didn't mention the amateur era. It might have done. They might be the first club ever, but they're definitely the first club since 1931 to draw 2-2 in all three of, the, of their opening matches um, to a season. So congratulations, Tigre fans. You're in the record books for something, albeit probably not something that you would like to be. Um, Patronato are third bottom and San Martín de San Juan are top of the relegation, or rather joint top, because as it currently stands, they're on exactly the same number of points and exactly the same number of games played 
as Belgrano, which means that as it, if, if it were to finish like this, uh, there'd need to be a playoff between Belgrano and San Martín de San Juan. Um, Gimnasia have started a little more slowly than they would have liked, particularly given that both San Martín and Belgrano have won five points already this season from their opening three matches. And Gimnasia have only three, uh, which means that one would think that they're in line to get overtaken at some point. Atletico Tucumán have had one eye on the Copa Libertadores and that's probably going to continue now, which is awkward for them because they're only just above. And Vélez then, there is a five-point um, gap between Atletico Tucumán and Vélez. So from Vélez and Newell's and Huracán, who've all got 79 points from 60 games and up, you're probably at the moment looking safe. Obviously, Aldo Sibi are the exception here because they are newly promoted and they've won two of their opening three games um, which means that at the moment they are actually second in the promedio table behind Boca um, but uh, that again could all go very wrong or, or change drastically um, if they do start to lose matches or, or only draw Was it for, for Copa Libertadores 2017 or Copa Sudamericana that the uh, Atletico Tucumán players uh, or even the, 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 I think the directors said that it was great for them to Uh, qualify for well in the, in the case of qualifying for Copa Libertadores was already great and then and now that they are in the quarterfinals well I imagine this, them uh, dreaming awake hmm. but uh, saying this that they were glad for, for Copa Libertadores but they had to attend of course the relegation zone in the in the in the Superliga uh, I think before wasn't Superliga but the the, the first division Um, uh, no, I don't. I don't remember when they say this, but uh, at this time it's quite similar because they have a great possibility at Copa Libertadores as as, as they are. Uh, it's something historic for them, but at the same time they have this battle with the relegation in the in the Superliga. Yeah, which they have a little bit of breathing space. Um, thanks in no small part to Rodrigo Aliendros very late winner and um, Cristian Lucchetti's even later fantastic save to keep them 2-1 up um, against Colón which uh, as I say gives them a, a, a little breathing space Ricardo Cielinski is an intelligent manager and he's been in these situations before with Belgrano um, and I, I think that he's going to have enough to pull them through but they they do need to make sure that they continue to do what they're doing at the moment and keep one eye very much on the league uh, regardless of how much further they go if indeed they do go any further in the Copa Libertadores um, we had a few decent goals yes. this weekend as well well one was uh, already I think uh, called as or mentioned as the I don't know if the year but some uh, but uh, near near of the, of the year because uh, it was uh, the Uh, Suarez, uh, it was Martin Suarez. How how is the, his name of Matias Matias Suarez? Suarez. Yes, uh, it was just a fab fabulous goal, mm. uh, uh, magnificent goal, and yes, it was uh, in in a football where you don't have many spaces. He created that spaces with a, yes, a lovely lovely play, and then uh, uh, even a better finishing. Yeah, flick around the defender, a pirouette to put one in mind of Dennis Bergkamp. Um, before a very nice neat finish I think my favourite 
I, I do admit that it probably wasn't quite as sort of technically brilliant as Matias Suarez's, but my favourite one um, was Santiago Garcia's opener for Godoy Cruz. Oh, yes, um, a nicely dinked ball over the top from, I'm afraid I've forgotten which midfielder, um, and Garcia just met it full on the volley with with three toes, as they like to say in Spanish. Chile um, Delgado style. Yeah, Uh, it was a gorgeous volley, straight in. Um, also, the one you mentioned uh, uh, for Atletico Tucumán, the Aliendro, the last minute goal. It was, yeah. Yes. In off the crossbar. It was, it was wonderful. Um, and Juan Caballero, since we've mentioned Tigre in a negative sense, we should also point out that he his opener was, was a oh, screamer yes. as well. Yes. Um, so, several good goals. So, few goals. Well, I think this round was a bit better than the previous uh, two. Mm. But even there are not a lot of goals, but some of them were, yes, were really great. Yeah. Uh, in fact, let me just get up, because this webpage here has got Los Numeros, so we can see. Uh, there were the same number of goals in the third round as there were in the second round, in oh. fact. Uh, so exactly two per game, again, 26 from 13 matches. Um But it, it's slowly taking shape. The title race is an interesting one as well, because once again, Rosario Central won, kept another clean sheet. This time they scored more than one goal, and neither of the two that they did score were headed. Um, the goals were from Washington Camacho and Fernando Sanpedri. I think I said on um, Hand of Pod Extra on Sunday night that they were both from Sanpedri, but Camacho actually got the, the first one, so I apologise, Hand of Pod Extra listeners. Mm -hmm. Um San Martín de Tucumán are, are obviously not uh, the trickiest opponents that Central are going to be facing this year. But given that Central were right down in that relegation zone um, at the beginning of the season, or not in the zone, but very much in the relegation battle, and I didn't even mention them when summing up the main teams in the, in the relegation battle um, a few minutes ago, Edgardo Balsa, you know, that underlines how, how much Edgardo Balsa has, has done to transform the club with really... OK, they brought in Nestor Ortigosa... Um, and 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 San Pedri, but apart from that, it's sort of, by and large a lot of the players are very similar. He, he's getting yes. performances out of Alfonso Parrot at left back that we hadn't seen from him. Chilean, yeah, Chilean left back. Um, Marcos Ruben looks looks happier again. Washington Camacho's playing with um, yes. freedom, as is Federico Carrizo. And this is a point that I made um, on hand of Pod Extra. I, I think that the The talent of Andres Lioi and Maximiliano Lovera, particularly, those two young players who we were raving about earlier in the season because they had a, a couple of absolutely brilliant games. Lioi scored that hat-trick against somebody um, in a 5-0 win. And uh, Lovera, I think, got three or four assists or something in the, in the next or next but one home game. Um, th that's undeniable, but they seemed a little bit lightweight at times. And so I think bring them in and now giving them opportunities off the bench rather than expecting them to be the first choice midfield um, is serving Central very well. Top of the league. I think what Bosa uh, managed is, was to... Well, you said that there are pretty similar players, which is sometimes is, uh, is great because uh, uh, when, when there is the transfer window, you are expecting, and when you are a team from the interior... To, to sell players and to or at least for uh, some of them to live and this in this case even uh, Marco Ruben was linked to a uh, Brazilian uh, Botafogo mm. was that he was linked I think so yeah to well and finally he didn't leave he uh, we don't know whether uh, he will continue continue uh, in 2020 because he's a bit angry with the with the member board members and and he had uh, 
an argument there. But even so, at this point, he's there along with Camacho and the, um, and San Pedro as, as, as a three men attack, perhaps. And they have this Joy and Lovera as kids that play well. And, and he, um, uh, what, I, what uh, Bausa managed is for to get the understanding between the kids and the, the, the bigger players. Yeah. And with he with Parot, which I think revelation, like you said, uh, uh, I think there are a lot of Chilean here that are quite good players. And uh, I, of course, Parot is not one of we of the players that we uh, were taking into account. Perhaps we we thought, and they are they are doing for Sant- uh, Francisco Silva is the, mm-hmm. is the midfielder yeah. from Independiente. Also Silva the. Uh, Sorry, no. Francisco Silva and well, Pablo Hernandez is from Tucumán, but playing for Chilean national team. And in the case of Racing, they have Eugenio Mena and Marcelo Díaz. Mm. So there are quite a, a big number of Chilean that are, I think, playing well here. In Parque Patricio, on Sunday night, Huracán and Boca drew nil-nil. Boca are not in the title race at the moment, but there are only three games gone, and they are the defending champions. So, I think that they fit into this discussion. Um, it was a worrying one, I thought, from from a Boca fan's point of view. I mean, Huracan completely outplayed them. Um, and again, Guillermo Barasekelotto was persisting with this idea of a, a 4-3-3 with a false nine, and that false nine being Mauro Sarate, who, throughout his career, really, has been either a second striker or a sort of number 10 Number nine and a half, maybe, but not yes. a false nine. No, and with two really wingers rather than forwards who are particularly strong at finishing in in the form of uh, Christian Pavon and Sebastian Misha, cutting him from the wings. Again, I said this last week as well, didn't I? Uh, after they lost to Estudiantes, um, it, it, it didn't seem to work. But Barroso Galotto seems to be determined to continue with this because he said that he that Marosarte is a number nine. But uh, in the position he made uh, made him play, he wasn't that in uh, that nine. Yeah. Um, so he didn't. Pl- he played with no natural striker. I mean, the central star- striker as, yeah, as, exactly. as Bisha and Pavon, like you said, uh, wings at uh, wings, and Martin Sarate being like a uh, like a nine number nine, but uh, behind the a natural number nine. So that means that it's, yes, it was a bit weird. Uh, but yeah, yeah, but at, after the match, he said, as, as I said, that and uh, trying to learn to to teach the the, the journalists that Mauro Sate is a number nine and don't look for other things, <laughs> something like that. Um, the good news for Boca is, is that uh, Dario Benedetto is expected to start on Thursday night against Libertad. He's he's come back at last from that horrible injury that he got at the end of last year. Um, he was recovering from that during the winter break, and then he picked up a, an Achilles um, tendon injury as well, which which sort of hampered his recovery. Um, but he is set apparently to return to the starting lineup on Thursday evening, which will be great for Boca. Um, and, and different from other perhaps coaches, yeah. I don't imagine, for example, Lachardo, including a player that has been injured for almost a year from the starting from the first minute, even when he's a match that you have the advantage of, of having one to nil yeah. uh, in the first leg. I I, th- I think it will be a, a, a tough match because Libertad is well as a Paraguayan team will try to well to press uh, Boca. Well, their players 
Boca and uh, not let, let them play and as of course they, they need to score mm. uh, so it's a bit risky for me to, to put him just from the first minute yeah but, but maybe not being sure whether Avila can play or not or is going to be oh, well okay. enough to play or not you know that, that might um, uh, that, that might be affecting his thinking perhaps um, elsewhere the rest of the title challengers at the moment behind Central are Racing and Godoy Cruz both of whom are two points behind on seven um, Godoy Cruz we've mentioned that the 2-1 win over Newells which I saw most of the first half of um, oh no I didn't Garcia's goal came earlier than I thought I, I saw not that much of the first half of in fact um, they sort of almost let it get away from them uh, in the second Newells actually had the have, have more attempts and um, have most of the possession but Godoy Cruz are still dangerous on the counter-attack and I think that they're sort of showing signs of, of learning to live without Paul Fernandes of course now he's gone to Racing because that was a big loss for them during the transfer window and speaking of Paul Fernandes he scored didn't he for Racing yes he was one of the goal scorers yes he opened the scoring um, about half an hour in away to Patronato Patronato are going to struggle this season we said this at the beginning of the uh, season in our, in our preview episode they lost Sebastián Ribas who's been playing really well for Lanús, or at least as well as anybody in Lanús has been playing. Um, without his goals, Patronato are not showing an awful lot, and the defending for Pablo Cuadra's um, goal to make it 3-0 to Racing was shambolic. I mean, I, I saw a few people on Twitter, and, and uh, I think I heard one of the television commentators describing it as a golasso. It really wasn't. It was they, they just walked it through the middle of the of the defense. Um, it was atrocious. Uh, yes, and, and there was one defender that that even fell and couldn't uh, even clear the ball, letting that ball to to Quadra, who of course mm. uh, started the play and passed it to um, to Bo, who gave gave the gave, gave it back to to Quadra, who scored, but no, no, not brilliant goal. Um, and apart from Rivas, Patronato lost. Balboa, who was uh, uh, as a nickname, nickname called Rocky because, of course, of Balboa, the, yeah. the Rocky Balboa from the movie. And so, yes, they have, they will have now to, to reinvent or to invent something to to, to replace, especially Rivas, as uh, having been, been the the goal scorer of the last season. No, it was. Um, yes, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Yes. Um. River, and we talked about one nil-nil draw in the form of Huracan versus Boca. River got another one. For the second um, match in a row, the opposing goalkeeper against River was arguably the man of the match. I can't remember. I don't think he was actually awarded the man of the match, was he? But he seemed to be um, a lot of people's pick for it. Um, you know, we mentioned last week how both River and Argentinos the previous week have been completely dominant. Um against uh, opponents Argentinos against Godoy Cruz and River against Belgrano thank you Belgrano and neither of them could put the chances away so this one always looked like it could be a nil-nil in spite of the fact that I obviously had some faith and uh, said that River would score and win the match um, in my mystical predictions last week that didn't end up happening uh, Fernando Quintero still at times looks like he's playing an entirely different sport to his teammates um, he elevates their level and he was probably the most dangerous um, shooter of the ball on the pitch yes. as well um, because Lucas Chavez pulled off a couple of good saves yes but him. again as I think as uh, same thing, thing happening against Belgrano in this case the 
Best, best chances to score were uh, from a free kick or corner kick, yeah. of course, uh, taken by, by, by Quintero. Not because they, they elaborated a lot of, of plays and, and they played very well. It was, of course, clear chances, but that came from, from this, from stop balls, uh, uh, of course, taken by, by him, by Quintero, who's clearly the, the best player right now. Mm. Indeed. Um, one positive was that Franco Armani went through another couple of um, milestones. He is His current run without conceding in the league um, is now the second longest in Argentine, again, professional era history, because, again, I suspect it's an all-time record, but the statisticians who have been tweeting this have only mentioned the professional era. They haven't mentioned whether anybody from the amateur era has a longer record, which, which is what makes me think that it probably is. Um, but it, it's, it's a bit frustrating, that. I would hope that they would know, but they just don't bother to keep the record. It's like you you are, uh, of course, glad because of that, but uh, only a bit, because mm. in the other box, you can't do anything uh, uh, too. So Yeah, um, and even then, he led a bit of a charmed existence, because Argentinos did have that one shot, I think it was from Alexis McAllister, um, which went past Armani, and, and which Pinola, Pinola then deflected up onto the crossbar and out. Um, that proves so. that if the ball doesn't want to come, get into the net, they won't. Yeah. It won't. Indeed. Um, so that's River continually continuing to be frustrating. Um, yeah. And elsewhere, the other... What were we going to talk about? Ah, Aldo Civi are in fourth place after a 1-0 yes. win over Lanús. They haven't had, I don't think, the most difficult... Um, set of fixtures um, to begin the season though. it's so. a good moment to say that because I was trying to remember this and now that you are talking about Lanús that uh, Carboni uh, quit after that uh, after that defeat he did yes uh, the man with the best nickname in the Argentine Superliga Ezequiel Kelly Carboni um, is no longer the Lanús manager not relation to you no 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 he's not unfortunately um, but uh yeah, he, he's stepped down. It's always a bit of a shame when a player with that kind of um, record and, and, and that uh, f- that much feeling for the club, because you know he was part of the club for a long time before he took the job as well, um, it goes through something like that. But Lanús, really, it goes beyond the manager, I think. you know, uh, Our good friend Phil of the Lanús in English Twitter account has been lamenting the state of the team for you know a year, a year and a half now, even... During the run to the Copa Libertadores final last year, it was obvious that it wasn't sustainable. Um, so yes, yeah, the, the, the crisis structuring today. Yeah, the crisis, the cry of the players when they lost the final of the Copa Libertadores was uh, understood because uh, they knew that it would be difficult to repeat. And uh, and after only, uh, less than one year, uh, yes, they now are a completely completely different team and of course a worse team. Although still playing, I think decently. Uh, mm. I thought Aldosivi will play more to direct direct balls or long balls, but they are playing quite well. And uh, who has to do with this is Pisano, the one yeah. who scored the only goal there. Uh, uh, and I, it, it, he reminds me, of course, saving differences to Centurion, because he's not a striker. He's more he plays in similar position that Centurion, and he's scoring. Well, he it was the second. Uh, consecutive matching with his scores, uh, not being a striker. Yeah, indeed. Um, the top scorer, Pisano, is one of several players who are tied in second place in the scoring charts with two goals at the moment. 
Nicolas Fernandez um, of Defensive Justicia, he got the only goal of the game against Independiente. So uh, that's three goals in three games for him so far this season. Well done, if you're listening, Nicolas. We're going to go straight into listeners' questions. Um, they begin with one from Gamer James FM, who says, Boca dropped points again today. He was getting this one in early, obviously, on Sunday evening. Nil-nil at Huracan after losing at Estudiantes last time out. Played three, won one, drawn one, lost one so far. Could we see an end to their dominance at last? At, at least it looks like they are not that uh, team that didn't uh, play well and won it anyway. Because uh, they are not playing well, but they are not winning either. Winning either. And the last Superliga that they won, uh, it used to be like that. Uh, we, we, we mentioned and we said that Boca weren't a great team, but they had a lot of good players and they could win a match themselves at any time. Hmm. Well, this time it, it isn't happening, and Pavon is also being weak with shooting very badly uh, on goal, which is one of his best uh, features, the, the, of course, the shots on goal. Uh, and that proves that Boca isn't uh, at their, of course, they lost that, which is the power of goal. Yeah, indeed. Um, that attack was always a big part for them, and it's it's not come together really yet in the new season. Um, so yeah, I, I think that uh, it's obviously going to be difficult for them, particularly if they get beyond Libertad tonight, uh, tomorrow night. Sorry, um, as they ought to with a two nil aggregate lead. You know, the Libertadores is going to become increasingly uh, the focus during this first part of the of the season. So we could see a couple more results like this, I think, from them. Anyway, you you said. We, something which is true that it's only three weeks, uh, three rounds uh, gone, and uh, it's it's clear. Well, they they score only one goal uh, against Tacheres. Mm. Then they lost two nil against Estudiantes and and drew nil nil against Huracan, which is of course poor. But yes, uh, they can uh, perhaps they are asleep now and they get uh, they wake up in two weeks time. With perhaps Benedetto, which I think that after this, not for perhaps this weekend, but the other, he will be again uh, at the Superliga, and well, that could be great for them. Yeah, uh, Huggy says, any optimism for San Lorenzo this season? I'm surprised they beat Nacional in the Sudamericana when they only got past Tem- Temuco because of an administrative cock-up. No, um, I don't really have any optimism. I think it's a case of um, what's the saying? One swallow does not a summer make or something and like that. And they spoiled it because... It, it was one decent performance if it even was a decent performance. Um, but they have been playing awfully for some time. They spoiled it against the uh, Union because um, they scored the goal after a great play by Raniero. Mm-hmm. And after that they, they incredibly went went back to their to their side uh, Leaving Union, the, the of course the dominance of the of the match, and that late goal means that San Lorenzo could have resisted a bit more and get the three points. And we will have said that they played again not very well, but they they won, which is important. But the the way they played in the second half was, I think, it was deserved the, the, that draw that uh, that goal for for Fagapane. Yeah. Sorry. Over the course of the season, no, I'm, I'm not expecting that much from them. Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, says, or to a secular Cabroni, says, forget River and their nil-nils. What about Tigre and their three Desmonds, 2-2 in a row? 
Also, a new low for Commonwealth. Beggars belief regarding their decision hours before the game. Uh, he's referring there to the Santos decision, which uh, Commonwealth said they were going to announce at 2 p.m. on uh, Argentine time on Monday, and ended up announcing it about 11 a.m. on Tuesday instead. Um, yeah, agreed all round. We, we mentioned uh, Tigres three draws already, of course. Um, Liam says as well. I'm also guessing that the next four or so rounds um, kickoff dates and times will be announced during the break. That's the plan. There was an interview in a website called... Which website was it on? It was on Doble Amarisha, uh, Amarisha I think, um, with Marcelo Elizondo, who is the CEO of the Superliga. No relation, as far as I'm aware, to the referee, Horacio Elizondo. Um, in which he said that the last season, they realised, the Superliga organisers, um, that announcing the days and kick-off times for the whole season in advance, while it looked fantastic when they first did it, turned out to cause a few headaches when teams then got to the latter stages of Continental Cups and when the Libertadores group stages started and whatnot. Um, and so this year the plan is to sort of announce them in batches so that they'll announce about a month or so um, at a time. So yeah, probably after the fourth round or sometime before much longer, we'll get rounds five or six to sort of nine or ten-ish um, announced uh, around that time. Um, Belgrano English, uh, Jimmy Lee has... has um, volunteered to do mystical predictions again for the second time this season already. Uh, don't want to repeat too many. J- thank you, Jimmy, for stepping up. This isn't a complaint to you, obviously. But if anybody does want to take me on, um, then, you know, feel free. Um, it's first come, first serve, but Jimmy is, is taking this week's. Um, Jamie says, is gambling on football in Argentina legal? England is the extreme version of how betting has a hold on football, but I've just realised I've never really heard anything about odds in relation to Superliga matches or the outright odds from an Argentine perspective. Andres, is gambling um, legal in Argentina and can you do it on the Superliga? No, there is only... Uh, I mean, you can you can bet from Argentina, but not to Argentinian uh, betting sites. I mean... You can bet uh, to uh, any any gambling any bookie like to say uh, those sites uh, from here. But in Argentina, I mean the license that the gambling or the for example casinos get to to operate are are not given. Only in the Misiones, which is uh, Misiones province, mm-hmm. which is of course a province uh, here uh, in the interior. Get, gives that official licenses to operate as with a, a an internet site offering games to 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 well to bet of course in Argentinian pesos. Right. Uh, I mean the local of course currency. It's the only site or the only site in which you can uh, open a site and start to operate. But. Uh, uh, then you can, for example, bet three six five or, or be win or whatever. As long as you're prepared to bet in dollars, right? Yes, yeah. not in not in the local currency. I apologise for that motorbike. I'm not going to edit that out because it's too much faffing around. I did edit out an ambulance a bit earlier. Um, we're going to press on, but yeah, that that's the. Um, the, uh, the the essence of it. I've mentioned a few times in the past about how um, one of our erstwhile. Um, collaborators, Seba Garcia, uh, used to um, had had a few colleagues who who were convinced that he had a gambling problem because he placed a bet on Queens Park Rangers match about once every three months or something, 
um, which when you compare it with uh, typical behaviour in terms of gambling, as Jamie hints at in England and the British leagues, um, is quite small potatoes. Uh, yes, but yeah, sure. and, and certainly in terms of the talking about odds and who are the favourites for the title and stuff, when, when we do that at the beginning of the season, we're just talking about what we think and what our impressions are. The bookmakers, um, the media do not report bookies' odds for you know saying, oh, Boca are whatever, three to one to win the title or anything yes. like that. Yes, and um, um, what I was going to say is that, yes, here people think or the authorities think that gambling is... Uh, if people gamble or, or bet on, on sports events, uh, they, they may become addicted addict to that, mm. and, and that's not good. Uh, in ter- in, in, instead of um, making this legal and regulated, um, and, and of course uh, 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 put some rules to it, they decide not to, to open the gambling to people because of this. They think that it's addictive and... And meanwhile, it's illegal to gamble in the city of Buenos Aires, for instance, in, in any yes. capacity. But they're more than happy to announce that the Hippodrome, uh, the horse racing track right in the middle of the city, is federal land. So, therefore, falls and there used under to be... the auspices of whatever. And that the yes. river is part of the province of... The estuary, sorry, is part of the province of Buenos Aires, not part of the city of Buenos Aires, which means there is a floating casino, uh, which you can only get to from the city. Um, you know, people are more than happy to break rules, well, bend rules, let's say, <laughs> almost a breaking point in that manner, Yes, where there's money to be made. Welcome to, you know, the modern world. You're all familiar with it. Um, those are all the questions. Oh, no, they're not all the questions we've had. We've had a couple by email, um, in fact, sorry, I think at least one by email. Uh, let me share. Yeah, we've had one by email. Oh, we've also had a new patron whilst recording. Thank you very much indeed, Brandon Stiff, who's our newest Patreon supporter. Um, Ese Todoriki says in his email... How long do you think it is before VAR and goal line technology will be implemented in the Superliga? Goal line technology has already been implemented in the Brasileirão, and VAR has been discussed as being added next season there. Um, I mean, we have it in Argentina only for the latter stages of the Copa Libertadores, don't we? I think it's... Is it from the current round or from the quarterfinals onwards? Semi, semi-finals. Semi-finals? Yes. Same as last year? Yes. That seems to me ridiculous. I mean, last year I, I thought, okay, there was some pressure to introduce it, Commonwealth decided to trial it, okay. Having decided that it worked, but then continuing to only use it for the semis is yet another uh, example, just like abolishing the away goals tiebreaker for the final, but having it for the rest of the tournament, of you know, changing rules partway through the competition. It, it, that's a joke. I don't think there's much of a clamour for it here at the moment, but there is a sort of awareness, certainly, that... Um, Oh, who was the Argentine referee at the World Cup? Which one was it? Pitana. Pitana yes. Nestor Pitana and his team, you know, they, they were awarded the opening match um, in, in large part on the basis of uh, FIFA being impressed with how him and his team handled VAR. Um, they obviously then, you know, I have to say, although we have complained about Pitana on this podcast before and, and the state of Argentine refereeing generally is not that great, I do think he had a, a good World Cup. Um, so th- there's, you know, the, the raw material is here, but whether it can be installed in all of the stadiums with a 26-team Superliga at the moment is another matter. Any, any, anyway, I think that the one who managed the bar wasn't Pitana, but Bigliano. At least I. Yeah, he was the vid- he was the video assistant referee. But okay. the the reason that that whole the, the, the team ah, as the, a whole Pitana the and field Bigliano referee the was Pitana, and he managed yeah. it well. Yes, yes, precisely. Yeah, they 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 were picked as a team. Um, 
So that was that was that reason. I think maybe in a year or two, maybe a couple of years, two to three. Um, yes, we, we it, 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 of course, it's, it it costs a lot of money, mm. and that's I think the main reason why they they still haven't put it. But yes, two or three years, I think. Yeah. Uh, SA also asks, what's your opinion on the Conmebol decision regarding Santos versus Independiente? Do you agree or disagree? And if you disagree, what do you think would have been a solution? Um, we obviously went over that in some depth at the beginning of the episode. But I mean, to give a really simple answer to the question. <sighs> For me, it's if it's if Conmebol has had something to do with the mistake of the team that included the player... The sanction should be uh, served after the competition. Yeah, I mean, <coughs> pardon me. I, I said yesterday when the, um, well, about an hour or so after the uh, announcement was made about what the sanction was, that it surprised me a bit, partly because of what Comebol had already announced last week regarding Bruno Suculini and River, um, and partly because they kind of already admitted that it was their fault in the Santos case as well. I mean, just taking the two cases in isolation, yes. As I mentioned several times earlier on, River had the signed bit of paper, whereas Santos didn't. But Conmebol did still... I'm pretty sure they, that they said, you know, yeah, this was on us, actually, the, the Carlos Sanchez case. Um, I, they can't just let it go on the one hand, but on the other hand, the walkover seemed harsh, even though that's the standard punishment, because this was a highly unusual case... And I'm not sure what more Santos could have done. Yes, they could have written to Condibol and asked for signed confirmation, as River did. But as I said as well, that seemed slightly ridiculous on River's part. It seemed like overkill. And, and it's only you know thanks to the fact that somebody decided to do it that River escaped the same punishment. Um, so and that Racing, neither uh, Flamengo, neither Independiente Medellín or Emelec uh, sent anything to Condibol to yeah. say... Look, River has uh, included Bruno Zuccolini, who is suspended. Yeah. So, also that. And I think, I don't know, I mean, some kind of bigger punishment, but as Andres says, after this season ended, so, I don't know, banning Sanchez for sort of five matches and saying, look, you can't get... Well, no, in fact, because then they might transfer him to a different club who'd then have to take the punishment, wouldn't they? You know, some kind of punishment for Santos, um, a points deduction starting for the next... Uh, group stage or the first round of the Sudamericana the next time they qualify for a continental competition or something like that. You know, don't, don't get me wrong, I am glad that I'm not part of the organising committee um, for a continental cup competition um, because I, I can't give a simple answer to this. Uh, but it does seem like this was a case, or these were a couple of cases, um, in which the, the, uh, the organisers clearly had at least some of the blame themselves. And in the case of River, again, signed a bit of paper so they couldn't really deny it. They've held their hands up and said, yep, this is our fault. And in the case of Santos, they've been really, I think, quite harsh, considering that their own system, which was supposed to prevent this, is what ultimately caused it. Um, And on that note, those are all of our listeners' questions for the week. You will hear some mystical predictions from myself and from Mystic Jimmy after this next piece of theme music. Okay, here we go. Mystic Jimmy has gone for Argentinos Juniors to get a home win 
over Lanús. That's a prediction that I agree with. So I'm going for Argentinos to win that one. San Martín de San Juan against Huracán. Jimmy reckons this is a draw. I'm going to go for a win for Huracán in that one. Defensores. Defensores de Belgrano. No. That would be a very comfortable Belgrano win, I think. No. Defensa y Justicia versus Belgrano. Jimmy, the Belgrano fan, is going for Belgrano. I'm going to go for Defensa y Justicia to get a third consecutive win. Banfield versus... That's right, isn't it? It would be. Yes. Yes. I think so. Uh, Banfield versus Patronato. Jimmy's going for Banfield. I'm going for Banfield as well. Difficult one to argue with. Uh, Tacheres against Godoy Cruz. Jimmy's going for a draw. I'm going to go for a Godoy Cruz win in that one. I think Tacheres is uh, still struggling to get started. San Lorenzo versus River. Jimmy's going... Jimmy's going for River, sorry. I'm going to go for a draw in that one. Um... Racing versus Central. Jimmy is going for a draw. I'm going for Central to win it. But that should be one of the better games of the weekend, I suspect. Estudiantes versus Independiente. Jimmy is going for a st- uh, for Independiente. Sorry. Um, I'm going to go for a draw in that one. Aldo Civi against Tigre. Jimmy reckons Tigre will win. Ooh. Hmm. I'm going to go for a draw. Probably 2-2 again. Uh, Colón against Union. The Clásico Santa Fecino. Jimmy reckons it's going to be a draw. I'm going to go for... Hmm. Hmm. What am I going to go for? I'm going to go for Colón to win that one in front of their own fans. Boca Juniors versus Belles. Jimmy says it's going to be a Boca win. Given Boca's current form and the fact that they've got this Libertadores match on Thursday evening, I'm going to go for a draw. Newell's Old Boys versus Atletico Tucumán. Uh, Jimmy reckons it's a draw. I'm going to go for... Yeah, Atletico Tucumán are going to be coming off the Libertadores. I'm going to go for a draw in that one as well. Um, and San Martín de Tucumán versus Gimnasia. Jimmy says draw. I think that that's going to be a Gimnasia victory. Some good-looking matches. Yes. Um, Hand of Pod Patreon supporters will have been able to hear us already on Hand of Pod Extra, or will be able to hear us now if you prefer to wait until after listening to the main episode before listening to Hand of Pod Extra. Um what we think is going to be happening in that weekend. But the Clásico um, in Santa Fe stands out, obviously, by virtue of being a Clásico. Um, I think there are five matches in which uh, we could... Uh, well, we could recommend us previewing that, they will, that there will be good matches. Uh, of course, Boca, Boca against Vélez, the Clásico you mentioned, against uh, 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 then Racing against uh, Rosario Central, and... Saranzo against River, also Tachez against Cody Cruz, I think it will be yeah. uh, one to, to watch. There are a number of interesting matchups. I have just looked down the league table, by the way, and realised that my prediction of a Colón victory would be both Colón's first win of the season and Union's first defeat, if it comes to pass. So far, Colón have drawn two and lost one, and Union have won one and, lost, and, and drawn two. Um, so exactly opposite, or well, not really exactly opposite, because they've both drawn two matches, but um, yeah. I'm feeling slightly less clever about that one now. But we'll see what happens. Thank you very much indeed for listening. Um, if we've talked a little bit too quickly, then sorry. Stay tuned for Hand of Pod Extra. Stay tuned also if you're not a Patreon supporter, because after this final bit of music, I will, of course, as usual, be giving you the um, final scores from this evening's matches. River Racing is the only one of the Libertadores games that involves an Argentine club. Cruzeiro, Flamengo... And Corinthians Colo Colo um, are the other two. I'll give you the scores from all of those uh, if I remember, but certainly at least from River against Racing. 
For now, it's thanks very much for listening and goodbye from Andres. Thank you, goodbye. And from me, thanks and goodbye. The results from the Copa Libertadores matches this evening. River um, wiped the floor with Racing. They won 3-0 after a very strong first-half performance and a, let's say, intelligent second-half performance. Goals from Lucas Prato. Um, I can't remember who scored the second, and Rafael Santos Borre scored the third. In the two other matches, Colo Colo beat... Sorry... No, they didn't. Corinthians beat Colo-Colo um, 2-1 on the night, which meant a 2-2 aggregate draw. and means that the Chileans go through to the quarterfinals on away goals. Um, and the other game finished Cruzeiro 0, Flamengo 1, which means that Cruzeiro go through um, to the quarterfinals 2-1 on aggregate. Um, Cruzeiro will play Palmeiras or whoever it is Palmeiras are playing, uh, the Paraguayan side, Cerro Porteño. I'm doing this off the top of my head, as you can probably tell. Um, and uh, the other team who've gone through, Colo Colo, will play either Libertad or Boca Juniors. Both of those ties, of course, are going to be decided on Thursday night. <laughs>